morning. It is our Missions Emphasis Sunday here at Triad, and I'm excited uh, to get to share a missions thought with you today. Uh, Before you stand, go ahead and find your place in the book of Philippians. We will be in Philippians here in just a moment. We're going to start out in chapter 4, work our way through chapter 1 a little bit as well. Um, Turn in your Bible to Philippians. Each week, our church receives missionary prayer letters. We have missionaries that we support domestically and all over the world, and we get prayer letters from them. Some of them we get in the mail, but most of them are digital. Uh, Some missionaries send out a letter each month. Some do it every other month. Some do it quarterly. We also require an annual report of our missionaries at the end of the year. Uh, But in turn, we read those letters, and we better understand what our missionaries are dealing with, how we can pray for them, and things like that. But then we also send those letters to you. I don't know if you know this, but every day, Monday through Friday, when you get a daily reach email with prayer requests, at the very bottom, there are links that Wendy will add in to where you can click on one and read a missionary prayer letter. So many of you probably do that. For those of you that don't, now you know that's how we send out our missionary prayer letters to you. And the reason that I want you to know that is because the book of Philippians is a missionary prayer letter. Maybe you didn't know that, but Paul is the missionary, and he's sharing the gospel all over the world, and his supporting church is Philippi, one of many churches that supported the Apostle Paul. And so what Paul does is he actually receives things, and then he sends a letter back at the hands of Epaphroditus. So what we're going to read this morning in Philippians is really a missionary prayer letter sent from Paul to a supporting church in Philippi. I'm not going to take time to read the entire prayer letter today, but we will study a couple portions of it as we make our way through the passage. Go ahead and stand with me if you found your place in Philippians 4. We're going to cover verses 10 through 23, but for sake of time, while you're standing, I'm just going to begin by reading verses 15 through 19. Philippians 4, beginning in verse number 15. And you, Philippians yourselves, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19 is a common verse that we all know, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I'm going to attempt to do three things in the message today. One is I want to give you a biblical idea of what missions is. Number two is I want you to understand the philosophy that our church individually has for missions. And three is I'm going to give you a report on several missionaries that we support. So the title of the sermon today is a biblical mission statement. Paul was writing this letter to the church at Philippi while he was in prison. There was a man from Philippi named Epaphroditus, and what he did is he filled up a suitcase with stuff and money and took it to the Apostle Paul in prison, and that's what he did in honor to support him. Before we delve into our text uh, or understand missions philosophy, there's one key principle that you have to understand. And in just a moment, I'm going to have the guys put it on the screen. I'm going to leave it up there for a minute. If you want to write it down, you can. But there's one key principle that's central to understanding missions. It actually supersedes missions, and it helps explain missions. But it's bigger than simply the church at Philippi. It's simply than, 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 it's bigger than just Paul, and it's bigger than our church today. Uh, this is how you understand how you fit into God's plan. The statement is this. Essentially, God calls all of us to reach others with the gospel that we are uniquely designed to reach. Now leave that statement up there for a minute because I want you to understand this. Essentially, God calls all of us to reach others with the gospel, and those are people that we are uniquely designed to reach. Can you come to my neighborhood and reach my neighbor with the gospel? Yes, but that's why I'm there. That's my responsibility. Can I come to your place of business and share the gospel and my testimony with your coworkers? Yes, I may get in trouble in some cases depending on where you work, but I can do that. But really, you've been placed in that environment. You've been placed in your neighborhood. You've been placed in your career to do those things. Can your family trust Christ because they just happened to pass by our church on a Sunday? Yes, that can absolutely happen. But you are specifically and uniquely designed 
to reach the people in your sphere of influence. I think sometimes we think sharing the gospel and sharing our faith and inviting people to church is the job of the pastoral staff only. It is our job. But I want you to know it's also your job too because there are people as good of, um, at sharing his faith as Pastor Rob is, he's not going to come to all of your neighborhoods. He's not going to be able to come to all your places of business. He's not going to be able to come to Thanksgiving dinner at all of your houses. You are the one who is uniquely designed to reach the people in your sphere of influence with the gospel. Essentially, God calls all of us to reach others with the gospel. And he calls us to that because we are uniquely designed to reaching them. You will cross paths with people that I will never meet. You'll cross paths with people that nobody on our church staff, nobody in our academy staff, nobody in our preschool staff who would know how to share the gospel. You're, you're going to come cross paths with people that we will never meet. And so essentially God calls you to be the one to reach them. And I say that with the idea of missions because we're not just sending and funding missionaries to do something that we are unwilling or incapable of doing here ourselves. Turn back to Philippians 1. I'm not going to have you stand again, but I do want to cover a couple verses there to build a basis of where we're going to get to in Philippians 4. We could build an entire missions philosophy just using the book of Philippians, but we only have time for a few key points in this message. According to the book of Philippians, what we're going to do is we're going to see exactly what biblical missions is all about. Look at Philippians chapter 1. I want to read verses 3 through 5. Paul says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. Some renderings will say fellowship. I like the word partnership in the ESV. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I can't tell you how many missionaries that I talk to and I say, you know, how long has Triad Baptist Church supported you? And they say something like, oh, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess it's been since the very beginning. I remember when we were first on deputation, first raising support to go to one of our countries. And, and we stopped by Triad Baptist Church, and they took us on. And, you know, you guys have actually supported us for a very long time. We've inherited a lot of, I've inherited a lot of missionaries. Pastor Rob has even inherited a lot of missionaries in his tenure here. What Paul is saying here is, you guys have been with me since the very beginning. Since I first announced I was going into missions, since I first started raising deputation, before I ever made it to the field, you guys have been with me since the very beginning. He's expressing gratitude for their partnership in the gospel. This church at Philippi was blessed because of their missions investment in Paul. At Triad, we have a specific process by which we take on missionaries. Maybe you thought, how do we take on missionaries here? Do we just support everybody that comes through? And let me tell you a little bit about the process. Uh, the process is the same for everyone. We have a missions committee that consists of 10 people. They serve on a three-year term. And our missions committee, we receive applications for new missionaries. Some people will reach out to me and say, hey, can you guys support us? Some people will reach out to Pastor Rob. Hey, can you guys support us? Some people will email Wendy with a generic church email and say, hey, we would like support. And we tell all of them the exact same thing. You have to go on our website and fill out a missionary support application. We require that of everybody. Uh, case in point, probably two years ago, Pastor Rob said, hey, my son Zach would like for us to support him uh, with missions. He's going to be doing a church revitalization project in Winston-Salem. What should I tell him? I said, have him fill out a missionary support application. You know what he did? He filled it out. It takes about a half hour to fill it out. We get it, and every quarter, our missions committee goes through all the applicants we get. Sometimes we get five in a quarter. Sometimes we get 15 every quarter. And we go through, and we pick the top three. And that's a cumulative process. There are some that I like better than others, some that the missions committee likes better, and the cumulative top three rise to the top. And those that aren't able to be supported, we write them a letter. And we tell them, we wish we could support everyone. We are unable to support you at this time, but we're praying for you. And then our missions committee, we pray for those people. We pray for those together. And then we take those top three and we invite them to come. We do another interview, sometimes on Zoom. And we invite them to come on a Sunday morning to share in a Sunday school class, as you, many of you heard a missionary this morning. Sometimes we have them come on a Wednesday night to a midweek service and they share their vision. So by the time they come to us and they've gone through that process, after we've heard their presentation, we know their testimony, they're called ministry. They've agreed to our church's doctrinal statement and philosophy. We've properly vetted them and their missions organization and their home church. Now we've heard their missionary presentation, and then we take them on. By the time they get here, our missions committee has done all of the vetting process in order to get them here so that then we can make a decision on taking them on. Our mission's emphasis is on foreign church planting missions. 
We're all about church planting. We've got a lot of church planting missionaries that are stateside too, not just foreign. How can I know who Triad supports with our missions dollars? I'll tell you, go on our website because it's updated. We have all the missionaries listed that we currently support. My friend's a missionary. They need support. What can I tell them to do? Go on our website, fill out the application. That comes to me, and it goes to our missions committee. Our 2024 missions budget, TBC will support 51 foreign missionaries 27 domestic missionaries and missions organization for a total of 78 total missionaries all over the world that we will support beginning in January. Most of them we support now. We've got three that we've sent and four of which call Try at Home. Why is that important? Because of what he said in verse 17 of chapter 4. We desire fruit that abounds to our account, fruit to our credit. That's why we do this because we desire, number one, if you're taking notes, we desire missions as a partnership. Missions is a partnership. What does the Bible say that missions actually is? Well, it starts with being a partnership. Missions is a partnership. Look at verse number 6 of chapter 1. Paul says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both of my imprisonment and for the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Um, We get to go on probably three or four missions trips out of our church every year. And I want you to know, for every missions trip that we go on, there are at least three that we have to turn down. Because we get excited about missions and we get invited to a lot of different places. Uh, People see that the need is great. People see that we're investing in missions and in missionaries. The missionaries that we support, they want more than a financial gift. They're seeking a partnership. They want to know about us and we want to know about them. I want to share a few of our partnerships today. We support Daryl and Leah Burnett in... uh, Mozambique, and then Uganda, and now Kenya. They just moved to Rift Valley Academy. We visited Daryl in Mozambique back in 2020, right before the world fell apart, and we were there in Mozambique with Daryl. And since then, God has moved him from Mozambique to Uganda, and then they just got moved again to Rift Valley Academy. They're going to be serving in Kenya. Those have been tough moves. They've got three kids, and they're moving all over Africa, but God is using them. Uh, The next picture is um, Roger Schmidt in Mozambique. Mozambique has experienced significant storms and cyclones. They have a satanic oppression there in Mozambique. This was a picture I think I shared a couple of months ago, uh, but we sent Roger some money. There's some damage that they've seen to their buildings and their structures, and we try to help Roger every chance we get. One of our missionaries that uh, probably sends us as much communication as any of them is Mike Glisson. Mike is a church planting pastor to pastors in Sri Lanka, also works with people in Pakistan and India. And Mike tells us all the time of the persecution that they're facing in India. We sent them Uh, This this man is holding a bag full of rice. I don't know what you're eating for lunch today, but it's probably going to be better than what's in this bag full of rice. We sent that, uh, a bunch of rice, to them to hand out. This little girl's holding uh, a little jug for water purification. So they're, they're trying to get clean water. They're trying to get rice. These are the basic necessities of the people they're ministering to. You see all the time that people in India are receiving extreme persecution. Do you want to know why that is? Because they're experiencing revival. There's the picture right there. Put that on all the screens. This is the revival that they're seeing in India and in places where Mike's ministering. He's ministering not only to these people, but also to the pastors who minister to these people. And if you want to know why there's persecution in India, look no further than a picture like this because of the revival that they are seeing in places that Mike is serving. We love our partnership with Mike. We just took on a new missionary earlier this year named Joseph Wicks. Joseph is uh, a missionary who does trips with MMO. That's Medical Missions Outreach. Uh, I want to announce to you that we are going to go on a medical missions outreach trip next summer. I'm pumped about it, and we we're excited because we reached out to all the medical professionals in our church. I think there were almost 50 of them. And a couple of months ago, I reached out to them and said, these are the options for trips. These are the places we could go. There's stuff for dentistry and general surgery and optometry. And we're excited about going. We're going to go with Joseph with MMO, Medical Missions Outreach. And our trip next year is going to be to Honduras. 
And I think for every medical professional that we bring on that trip, I think we can bring three or four non-medical people like me. And so I'm excited that we get to go, but we've got that trip wide open. If you're interested in going, we're going to have a survey or an interest, an interest meeting uh, two weeks from today. So on the 22nd, two weeks from today, if you're interested in going with us to Honduras on a medical missions outreach, Jason, I'm not medical. Can I still go? Yeah, I'm not medical either. I'm going. And we're going to have a great time with that. This picture you're seeing is a receptacle uh, for uh, prescription eyeglasses. And if you wear glasses, you probably got eight to 10 pair at your house that you still have for a rainy day. You don't know what to do with. We got something for you to do with them. We're going to have those glasses come in and we're going to accept those. I think they, every trip they do, I think they collect between 30 and 50,000 pair of eyeglasses. And so we'll have an opportunity for you to donate those. But I'm excited with our partnership with that Honduras team and Joseph Wicks. We support Reba Bowman in Guatemala. We sent a group of ladies on a missions trip to Guatemala. There's a picture of them. We sent nine ladies, and they're pumped. I talked to several of them in the last few weeks. They're pumped to go back, and a couple of them want to do another trip with men that we get to go and take couples with us. But that partnership is for a women's safe house. These are communities of women that are making leather products sold on the website. These are uh, some of the goods that were purchased there by our team and handed out. Look at this next photo. Uh, this is some of the things that they make on their website. These are women uh, who literally stitch these and put these together. They've got leather artisans. They've got women that work, uh, some at their compound, others at different pockets throughout the community. They've got all these women that they have evangelized and that they're discipling, and they're making these products. If you want to go on Dare for More's website and purchase some things that you can give for Christmas, you can support missions by supporting missionaries. Uh, but that's a really cool thing. We actually, for some of the missionary families that are here with us this week, we bought some of these actual bags that we're going to give, put goodies in that are unique to Kernersville and give to them uh, as a gift. That's just our way of supporting uh, foreign missions while also supporting missionaries. You can go through dareformore.org uh, for more information on that. Jason, why do you share us this, with us this info? Why is this important? Because we're not just writing a check each month and hoping for the best, keeping our fingers crossed and hoping that something's going on. We desire a partnership with our missionaries, all 78 of them. All 78, we desire a partnership with them. That's number one. Missions is a partnership. Number two, missions is a stewardship. Missions is a stewardship. It is a partnership, but it's also a stewardship. Look at Philippians 4, verse number 10. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. This is an interesting piece of information that Paul shares with us about the church at Philippi. He says, you were always willing, but not always able to give to his ministry. I know that you were always willing to give, but there were times when you wanted to give and you were not able to give. And I want you to know, I recognize that. And he goes on to say later, God supplied all my needs. God's going to supply your needs just like he supplied mine. Financially, I don't think I have to tell you this because you probably already know, but financially, we've not had the best last two or three years in America. I hope that's not news to any of you. If so, you should start reading those I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's prospectuses. That's what I'm trying to say. You should read those when they come in the mail because uh, it's not been a great year the last two or three years. I'm grateful to tell you this, though, that at no point... Did our church stop or even slow our missions giving? There were times when it was really tight, and there were times when we cut other things, and there were times when we had to have cutbacks in budgets, and we had to stop doing this and start doing something a little bit differently. There were times when it was tight for us financially and may still be tight financially at times, but at no point did we ever stop or slow our missions giving, not only because we desire a partnership, but we desire a stewardship. Look at Philippians 4, as he continues, we read verse 10, look at verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul said, I'm going to be content with whatever I get and wherever it comes from. If it's from Philippi, great. 
I'll take your support. If I don't get any from Philippi, Corinth is going to come through. If I don't get any from anybody, God will supply my needs because he knows where I am and he knows what I'm going through. Paul is saying, I appreciate your support, but if at some point you are unable to give as you had given before, God will supply my needs. Then you get to verse 13, which is a very common sports verse that you'll probably see if you watch football today. I can do all things through him that strengthens me. A lot of times we use that as a motto or a moniker just to attach onto things that we want to do. You know, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And, and that's really not the context. What Paul is literally saying here is, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. When times are bad and my health is not very good, I can still make it because Christ gives me strength. When people abandon me, I can still make it because Christ gives me strength. Uh, when haters blast me for how I serve Jesus, I can still make it because Christ is the one who gives me strength. Uh, when I've got more month than I've got money, I can still make it because it's Christ who gives me strength. When people criticize and attack me personally, I can still make it because Christ gives me strength. That's the context by which Paul gives us this verse. So he says, I can do all things. There's nothing that I can't do if it's through Christ who is the one strengthening me and enabling me to do his work. Paul recognized that God was the one funding his work. God was going to make it happen. This letter was written specifically to Philippi. But what Paul is saying is, it's bigger than Philippi. If Philippi can't give, it's bigger than Philippi. And it's bigger than the churches in Colossae. And it's bigger than the churches in Corinth and Thessalonica and Ephesus and Galatia. It's bigger than that church in Kernersville. If they shut down, Paul is saying, I'm still going to make it in ministry. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can still make it even when it doesn't happen the way that I think that it should. As a missionary, Paul did not feel entitled to receive anything. Rather, he was grateful for everything. And this portion is still a challenge to the church to give to missions as they are able. I inherited our TBC missions program responsibilities in January of 2019. That's been almost five years ago. I'll talk more about them later, but a lot of really everything that I learned about missions, I learned from Dwayne and Linda Cross, who were a part of our church for many years. And I, I talked to Dwayne actually this morning, and I miss them dearly. But they really set whoever would come after them in missions, they, they, set, they set us up for success. All the structure and the planning and the procedure that you see as part of our missions program at Triad, uh, if it's something that is done really well and you like it, that's where it came from. It came from Dwayne and Linda Cross. If you see something you don't like about missions, it's probably something that I've boogered up along the way over the past five years. Uh, but Dwayne and Linda were veteran missionaries in Colombia and Chile and Bangladesh, um, and I, I miss having them around. But their missions philosophy is really what shaped what Triad does today with missions. So I'm going to throw some stats at you uh, that are since January of 2019, almost five years ago when I started doing missions. Triad Baptist Church supports 78 missionaries and missions organizations in the U.S. and all over the world. We have a missions presence in 42 countries. It was 21 five years ago. It's 42 right now, 42 countries that we have a missions presence in through our giving. Triad Baptist Church budgets over $300,000 annually to missions. $300,000 annually to missions. We currently have four missionaries that claim that Triad is their home. Three of them are sent out of our church. Daryl Burnett in Kenya, Rick Reynolds in Romania, and Andrew Self in Argentina. One of my favorite parts about missions is the end-of-year budget. If you run budgets with your company, you know this is how budgets work. These are allocated funds to be used within the calendar year. At the end of the year, you use it or lose it. It does not roll over. Most of our budgets here don't all totally get used, but missions, we use every dime because I oversee that and I want to make sure that we use it. Here's how this works. Our missions budget always has a surplus at the end of the year. What's the reason for that? Well, we have missionaries that are on a two- or three-year term, and they roll off. We have missionaries that retire. We have missionaries that leave the field for another reason. We've had missionaries that have passed away, and because of that, it creates a surplus in our yearly budget. In addition to the surplus in December, we also offer various projects that you can give toward. You'll remember, usually around end of November, beginning of December, we'll pass around something where you can make an end-of-year gift for certain um, contribution certain special projects sewing machines a church van building property playground equipment cows anybody ever donated for a cow we've had that the last few years what we do is we give these donations we give these monies 
to missionaries that we support all over the world. So in December, every year, I get to be Triad Baptist Church Santa Claus calling missionaries that we're not expecting money, that, t- that they get a phone call that says, hey, I know you weren't expecting this, but you're building a church in the Philippines. Just want you to know, Triad Baptist Church in Kernersville is going to send you five grand to help with that. I've had missionaries get emotional and cry over the phone because they're not having the money come in that they hope would come in. And that's probably one of the best things that I get to do. Uh, I'll share with you a couple end-of-year gifts. Sam Conover, we support him in Honduras, have for probably a decade. Uh, This is a picture of Sam and some of his men in Honduras. They purchased a brand-new camp property. It's just a field. It's a huge I want to say it's like 30 acres of property in Honduras, and they're putting the work to it. They've acquired the land. They're building a camp. Nate Watkins is our missionary in Staten Island, New York. I don't know if you know this, but the cost of living there is a little bit higher than it is here. Uh, Nate Watkins, this is a storefront church building that is brand new, newly to them acquired. Uh, The next picture is the space that they have been meeting in. They've made renovations to it. They've tried to fix it up, uh, but they meet primarily a Liberian population population living in Staten Island. You may not know this, but outside of the country of Liberia, the most Liberians that don't live in Liberia live on Staten Island. And Nate was a former missionary there, and because of health concerns for his family, he's back in New York doing it stateside. But he's reaching Liberians that don't live in Liberia on Staten Island. And we supported him end of year giving the last couple of years to acquire this new property. Nate's son, Micah, is pictured here making connections, building relationships in Thailand. We've sent them money recently because they've had some massive flooding. This next photo is a couple kids being brought home from school in a little makeshift boat because of flooding in the streets. Micah, I think, is a third or fourth generation missionary. We support him and his dad. Ronnie Morales is in the Philippines, and he called us at the end of last year and said, Brother, we need a new church van. This is him and his deacons putting their hands on the van and praying around it. Maybe you've prayed over a vehicle before. I don't know if you have or not, but probably not like this. This is a big deal for them to get a church van, and we helped fund them to be able to do that. James Nash is a missionary in Brazil. He's in Petrolina, and I think James Nash is probably mid-70s and is more energetic than most of the people in this room, and he's passionate about reaching the next generation with the gospel. This parcel of land that he's got in Brazil, uh, this strip of land he just purchased, what he's going to do with that is he's going to train nationals, Brazilian, Portuguese-speaking Brazilians, to be able to share the gospel and pastor their churches. Uh, This photo up there is from Andy Self. He's a missionary that we support in Argentina. This is his new members class. We provided for a new church property and parking lot for him in the last couple years. This Freedom Baptist Church is from uh, Eddie Ziss, a missionary church planter in the Philippines. This has got to be the nicest church in all of the Philippines, and he's invited us to come several times. This is Eddie preaching on their first Sunday as they open. Uh, One more missionary I'll share. Mark Friere is a missionary in Haiti. We just supported Mark recently. These are bags of rice, many of which that we bought for his people to have rice. If you've ever heard of Haiti or been to Haiti or read about Haiti, it's just natural disaster after corruption after natural disaster after corruption. This is him and his wife putting together gift bags of rice that they're giving to people. I called Mark probably six months ago. We're talking on the phone and he said, hey, if, if it's a little loud on the call and you can't hear very well, it's my kids. They're playing. Uh, they're not allowed to play outside. It's unsafe. Now, I don't know about you, but my kids play outside all the time, but that's not a luxury that they have there. This is a backpack campaign for Mark in Haiti that we contributed to. Um, Why do you tell us all this, Jason? Because I want you to know that missions is a partnership, but it's also a stewardship. It's also something that we have actively given toward. I want to give you a breakdown of how that's looked since 2019. This is our missionary surplus at the end of the year of funds that we've given away. In 2019, we gave away $27,500. 2020, $40,750. 2021, $32,605. And 2022, $28,480. And in 2023, we're on track to do more of the same. Of those four years, just in end-of-year gifts, it's almost $130,000. It's amazing, $130,000. If you were to combine that money, when you combine what's already budgeted and given to missionaries and offerings since 2019 and include the budget given in 2023, in those five years, Triad Baptist Church will have given at the end of this year $1.4 million to missions just over the last five years. That's money that you gave. That's an investment that you have. 
1.4. It's actually $1,405,374 or $47 that you've given to missions. 1.4 million. Why is that important? Because missions is partnership, but it's also stewardship. Do you know what we could have done with $1.4 million? A lot of stuff. We could have done a lot of stuff with that money. You, you think about just the new building behind us here. You just imagine calling the bank tomorrow and saying, we've got an extra $1.4 We want to put down on the loan, so take it off on the, on the front end here. Can you imagine being able to say we've got $1.4 but we don't have it? You know why? Because we gave it away. We gave it away to missions. Over the last five years, $1.4 One more story, and then I'll move off of stewardship. I don't want you to get too nervous. Samuel Thomas came in 2021, and he asked our church to consider building a church in India. And he said, here's what we have. We have a pastor. We have a group of people in a city. The only one thing that we don't have that we need is a physical church building for them to come to. This was two years ago. He said the cost would be $10,000. Can you imagine the total cost for land, supplies, and labor to construct a church building is $10,000 in India? We had a man in our church that was moved by that story, and he reached out to us and said, I'll give you $10,000 on a contingency, is I want the church to raise the other 10. So that's what we did, is we put it out there to you guys, and you know what you guys did? You raised $10,000, he gave us his $10,000, we gave this ministry $20,000 to build two churches, and those two churches were completed in the last month. The first is in a city called Jaharkand. I'll, I'll, if you email me, I'll show you the pictures. I'll spell it to you. This is the part of their property where they're building. Uh, the next photo is some of their actual church people that are putting together the building uh, in that area. And then this third one is the finished product of the building that they constructed for $10,000 with the land. They have a pastor. They have a people. This other church is in Odisha, Odisha in India. Uh, I've got a couple pictures here. This is their opening Sunday. They've got balloons on the door. Next slide. Uh, this is a lot of the children that are there in the community that are coming on the first Sunday. Uh, this is the inside of their first service. Uh, they've got their pastor right there in the middle. Uh, these people just packed the auditorium. Next photo. Uh, more of the kids. Show that last photo. Yeah, one more. One more. Do you have that next photo? This is the church right outside as they're meeting. Do you have the last one that has our church name on it? Maybe you don't have it. Oh, yeah, this is a video of them singing. Yeah, they'll show it to you. They'll get it up there. Um, what I'm telling you is Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, and I'm saying to you, your giving makes this stuff possible. Go to that last picture, guys, that shows our name on the church right out front. Yeah, Emmanuel Believers Church in Odisha, donated by Triad Baptist Church, Kernersville, North Carolina, for the glory of God. You guys will probably never make it to India. I've never been. I'd like to go. They've invited us to come and see these churches. I'll probably, I don't know that I'll ever make it to India. The people that go to this church will probably never make it to Triad in Kernersville to say thank you. But I want to say thank you on behalf of them for the $10,000 that you and others have given for this to be possible. What Paul is saying here is the church at Philippi, and I'm saying to you, your giving makes this possible because missions is a partnership and missions is a stewardship. Number three, missions is a companionship. Missions is a companionship. Look at Philippians 4 verse number 14. This is a very simple, quick verse. He says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Yeah, I've never been a foreign missionary like the ones that we support. I've never had to go on deputation and raise money for support. I don't know a lot of the things that they face. Uh, but there's something that I have come to learn about missions and missionaries is nothing validates the work of a missionary quite like going to their field and seeing the work that they do. You, you want to read a missionary prayer letter? I think you should. You want to pray for missionaries? I think you should do that. You want to give to missions through our church? You can do that. If you want to support a missionary on your own, not even with us, you just have a missionary and on your heart and you want to support them financially on your own, you can do that. You can do all of those things. But the number one thing that you can do for a missionary, you want to know what it is? Go see them. 
Go see them. Go to their field. Validate the work that they are doing. That's the number one way to encourage a missionary. I don't get to choose every missions trip that we go on. In fact, I get to choose half. About half of the trips that we go on as a church and as a school, I get to choose about half of the ones that, that we go on. Honduras next summer, I'm pumped up about that trip, but I didn't choose to go there. The medical professionals that we met with uh, a couple of months ago, that's the destination that they chose. Our senior class this year is going to Dominican Republic. That's their class sponsor missionary. I didn't choose to get to go to DR. Last year, uh, the senior class went to France. I didn't choose to go to France. That was one of the places that they chose to go to. I only get to choose about half the trips we go on, but I can tell you this. Um, not every trip is the same. I don't get to choose the locations. I don't get to choose the itineraries. Uh, not every trip, missions trip is digging a well or building a wall. Some of them are more encouragement-based. Some of them are sitting with missionaries and listening to them talk and watching them cry and putting an arm around them on their shoulder because their life is in shambles. Their life is broken, and they're trying to figure out how are we going to serve Jesus and still do all that he's called us to do. The people who know missionaries best are missionaries and former missionaries, and they would all attest to this. Um, I want to share with you the upcoming trips that we've got. We're going to Israel in November, December. I'm sure you saw the news yesterday. Our fingers are still crossed, awaiting uh, more information about that. But it's our plan to go to Israel at the end of November and December. In 2024, our senior class at the academy is going to the Dominican Republic. In June, we're going to Honduras with Medical Missions Outreach. There's an interest meeting on the 22nd, two weeks from today. If you're remotely interested, hey, what are the dates? What's the cost? That trip is wide open, and if I can take 40 or 50, I'll do it. The big trips are chaos, but I love doing them. And if you want to come to that, that's going to be in two weeks. We have an interest meeting. Um, Pastor Kyle is taking our high school youth, some of the upperclassmen, to Germany. I think that trip is open. In July, we're doing an Olympic outreach in Paris. We've got seven or eight that are going to that. We're working on a trip in North Carolina with the North Carolina Baptist on Mission. Uh, we're like, we're, we'd like to do a smaller trip or maybe a bigger trip that's less or more cost-efficient to do something like that. Here's our philosophy. We want to invest deeper into our missionaries. I get an invitation to go on a missions trip with good organizations that probably support good missionaries about every two weeks. I get invited to go somewhere, and I turn down almost all of them. And the reason is because I'm sure they're great people. I'm sure they're great organizations. I'm sure they're doing a great work. It's just I don't know any of them. You want to know where I want to go? These places with these flags that represent our people, that we have an investment in, that we're actually going to see the investment that we're making in these people. That's why we want to go. I want to go see Rick Reynolds in Romania. Uh, I got places I want to go with missionaries I want to see because we are investing in them. We visit our people. Why would we spend thousands of dollars to go on trips to visit missionaries that we don't even know or have any investment in their ministries? In the past five years, from 2019 to 2023, between our academy and our church, we have visited more than 20 of our missionaries on their foreign fields and domestic. I didn't know if you'd believe that stat, so I put them up there. Archer, Ione, Bowman, Burdett, Burnett, Clark, Cockrell, Drake, Germano, Haig, Loss, Loss, Myers, Peavy, Romaine, Schmidt, Self, Self, Shannon, Subramanian, Watkins, Wadomi. Keith Hudak is another one we went to go see, but he's no longer on the field. 23 times, 23 missionaries that we have seen in the last five years, all of which we support. We can't be accused of not being a missions-minded church, but we got 78 that we support, and I want to work on the rest of those. You want to dig a well? We've done trips like that. You want to build a wall or tear down a wall? We've done trips like that. You want to preach, teach, and sing? We've done trips like that. You want to minister to women and kids that have been abused? We've done trips like that. You want to visit an orphanage? We've done trips like that. You want to street preach and do straight outreach? We've got trips like that. You want to walk 12 miles a day to do a VBS? We do trips like that. You want to see people reach through missions? Those are the trips that we do. But I'm telling you, some of the most impactful trips I've ever been on are the ones where I'm sitting in a room with a missionary couple that sent their kids to bed and they just cry. And they say, thank you for coming. And they say, no one's ever visited us before. No one's ever come. We've been here a decade. No one's ever come to see us. That was the case for Adam and Faith Drake. A couple years ago, I think it was 2019, Adam and I were talking about doing a trip to Togo, which is where I got this beautiful shirt that many of you have commented on today. Uh, we went to Togo. And before that trip, I was talking to Adam and I said, hey, I'd like to come to Togo to do a missions trip. 
And he said, why Togo? And I said, well, I don't know anything about Togo. I've never been to Togo. I couldn't find it on a map, but we have three missionaries that we support in Togo. So I think I should come and see what you guys are up to. And his wife came up and said, hey, are you talking about doing a trip to Togo? And I said, yeah, we're, we're talking about it. And she said, well, don't talk about it unless you're going to do it. And then she walked away. And I just kind of looked at him like, bro, what was, what was that about? Like, that was, that was intense. And he said, you know, she's a little discouraged because, and just to be honest with you, we've got four kids, and we've raised them all in West Africa, in Togo. And for the past 10 years, no one's ever come to see us. Not a sending church, not a supporting church. We've had a couple family members come here and there, but none of the people that are invested in our ministry have ever come to see us. And I said, I'm coming to Togo. He said, when? I said, I don't know. How many are you going to bring? I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know how many I'm going to bring. I'm telling you right now, if no one's ever come to see you, we're going to be the first. And in 2021, we took five people to Togo. It wasn't a huge trip. Man, it was a long trip, and it was fascinating. And we loved our time in Togo, and we're already talking about going back sometime in the next couple of years. We've got Mike Clark in Iliamna, Alaska. I don't know if you've ever been to Alaska, but we've got two missionaries in Alaska. And one is in Iliamna, one is in Homer. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go to Alaska, you know, maybe I could try and see both missionaries. Do you guys know how big Alaska is? It's really big. I got on MapQuest, um, and I typed in one of their addresses, and then I typed in the other address just to see the distance and the route. And it said, it just straight up said, there is no route between these two places. And I called Mike, and I said, how do you, how do you get around? And he said, well, we have a, a small prop plane, and most of it's air taxi. But if you come to see us, um, we'll show you what we do. And we took a small group to Iliamna, Alaska, and we were there. It took us forever to get there. I think it may have been a quicker trip to Togo, West Africa, than it was to Alaska. But we got there, and Mike... Um, is in the bush with a lot of bush people there in Alaska. Iliamna is a town of 300 people. It's remote. You can't get from there to almost anywhere else uh, other than an airplane. Jeff Ione is a missionary in Colorado, a church planner. We took a team of 16 there last year. His church is about three or four years old, and it started with two people in his basement. And I think they ran, I think they're running about 130 now in Colorado, just outside of Denver. And so they acquired a new, a new church building. It was new to them. It was built in the 60s, and the church had just died out. And so they acquired the building, and they said, would you like to come help us move in? We said, yeah, we'll come, we'll come help you move in. And we got there on Monday, and the place was a mess. And I said, when's your first service? And he said, Sunday. And I said, oh, like, I figured it was a Sunday. And he said, no, no, this Sunday. And in six days, we revolutionized that place with our team and a lot of his people and uh, this was their first service, opening Sunday in that church in Lakewood, Colorado. Jonathan and Hannah Romaine are missionaries uh, that we visited in Spain a couple of years ago. Uh, of their three kids, we got to see all of them there in Spain when we were there back in 2021. Their son, Ian, who is eating snails. This is a picture that I took because it was his birthday this particular day. And he got to choose whatever he wanted for his birthday dish. And he said, I'm going to choose something that you may not have ever had before. And I said, what are you going to choose? He said, I'm not going to tell you, but I want you to try it. And I said, I'll try it, whatever it is. What is it? And he said, it's snails. And he said, but the best snails that you, you pick them out of their shell with a, with a toothpick, and then you, you swirl it in marinara sauce. And I'm like, wonderful. I cannot wait to celebrate your birthday. And uh, we did. We celebrated Ian's birthday, and we came back to the States in April of 2022. Ian was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor, and he died this past March of this year at the age of eight years old. And I'll never forget this photo sitting on this couch after Ian and his sisters had gone to play, and Desiree and I sitting on this couch with his parents as they just cried. <laughs> Because they don't understand. And to this day, I don't understand. Why would missionaries lose an eight-year-old child? It doesn't make any sense to me. And this side of heaven, I don't know that we'll understand it. But I wanted to tell you that because missions is a partnership and missions is a stewardship, but don't miss the fact that missions is companionship because these missionaries are real people that are going through real things just like us. 
Paul says in Philippians 4, verses 14 through 17, he says, you guys have been with us since the beginning. You've stuck it out during hard times. You've been with us on the big Sundays when we get to open up a new church building, and you've been with us on the couch when my kid's dying. He says, you've been with us in good times and bad. I haven't forgotten about it, and God doesn't either. Last point, and I'm done. Missions is a partnership. Missions is a stewardship. Missions is a companionship. Number four, missions is an ownership. It's an ownership. Look at verse 18 of chapter 4. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering and a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul had been given a mission that was to evangelize the Gentiles, and he owned it. Epaphroditus had been given a mission. Visit these missionaries. Visit Paul on the field. Take him this money. Take him this stuff. It was a strategic trip to visit strategic people. My question is, what mission have you been given? How's it going? I'll start where we ended. God calls all of us to reach others with the gospel. We are uniquely designed to reach them. What will you do with the mission you've been given? You can give to missions. You can pray for missionaries. You can come with us on a trip. You can partner with a missionary on your own. Jason, I've heard you talk about a lot of foreign missions. We doing anything here? I'm glad you asked. Salem Pregnancy and the Pregnancy Network are two pregnancy groups that we support. These are helping women choose life, getting the resources that they need. This is a picture of some of our team that went to the Salem Pregnancy Banquet the other night. It's another picture of others from our team uh, that went to the banquet. We support uh, these organizations, these women, Love Life. Uh, we promote three walks a year for life, three Saturdays a year. They do 40 of them, but our church sponsors a week. Our youth ministry, uh, Pastor Kyle takes a team every year on a week, and then the 40th week, we promote that. These are walks for life, three Saturdays a year. We support the Winston-Salem Rescue Mission. We've supported them for a number of years, getting the gospel to people in our community. We support Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Bershawn Thompson is a member at our church, and he's had myself, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Rob, share huddles in locker rooms. I've personally shared the gospel with over 200 kids, student athletes, just this year alone, and we appreciate the work that he does. I'm excited that we're going to partner with a human trafficking group beginning in January, which is called Ladder of Hope, Triad Ladder of Hope. They're actively working against human trafficking here in our area, and January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Why do I tell you these things? Because how you choose to get involved is up to you. You're not going to do everything. I'm not asking you to do everything. But everybody can do something. Look at this last verse and we're done. Verse 21. This is a verse that Paul is, he's doing his final greetings. He's closing. This is a verse that you would normally skip over. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. This is ownership, every saint. Paul is writing this church to us 2,000 years later. He's writing it to them and a church body in Philippi locally. He's writing to us. He's writing to them. But he's also writing to you personally. He's saying, hey, when you get back to Triad in Kernersville, tell Jeff I said thank you. Tell Melody I said thank you. Tell Phil and Karen I said thank you. Tell Tim and Cindy Montgomery I said thank you. Tell all these people individually, I want you to greet every saint. Why does he say that? Because it's not just about what they were able to do collectively as a whole, but what they could do individually. He said, I want you to greet every saint. I want you to thank every single person that's had an investment in the ministry here. Essentially, God calls all of us to reach others with the gospel that we are uniquely designed to reach. These people are reaching ones that we'll never meet, ones that we could never meet, ones that we could never reach with the gospel. They're reaching them. But my question is, who are we reaching here? Are we reaching our family, our coworkers, our neighbors? Who are you reaching? We are all uniquely designed to reach someone. Who are you reaching for Christ? Let me ask you to have your heads bowed and eyes closed just for a minute. We're going to begin an invitation, and I'm hesitant to even do that because it's such a weird sermon for an invitation. But I just want to ask you a couple questions this morning as we close. Are you personally invested in missions? 
the missions that God is doing all over the world, not just with our church, not just with our missionaries, but locally, individually. Greet every saint. Are you having an investment in something that will outlive you? These are investments that we're making for eternity. This church, historically, has been big-time givers in missions. Over the last five years, I've had a front-row seat to see how God's people give and how missionaries all over the world are strengthened. Paul said, my God is going to supply every need that I have and every need that you have. It's all God's money, and they're all God's missionaries. Today, I'm not so much asking you to give from your checkbook as much as I am asking you to give of yourself. In Philippians 4, Paul's not asking for money. You read through the whole chapter and the whole book, he's not asking for more money. He's expressing gratitude for what the church had already done. And that's what I'm trying to do today. This is not an appeal to give. This is a celebration of what God has done and what he is continuing to do through this church, through your giving and your prayers. And today we celebrate that. $1.4 million we've given to missions over the past five years. That didn't come from any one or two people or any group of people. It came from God's people collectively. My question to you today is, who are you reaching? It's possible in a group this size that you do not have a relationship with Jesus, and I would be remiss without giving you a chance to do that. There's a person in this room that says, Jason, I do not have a relationship with Jesus. If something were to happen to me and I were to die, I, I, don't, I don't know where I would end up. If you want to raise your hand, I won't call you out. I won't invite you to come. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that in the room that would say, Jason, I'm not even 100% sure that I am a follower of Jesus? Anybody like that today? I see that hand. Are there others? Father, you've seen the hands, but most importantly, you know our hearts. God, I'm so thankful for a church and people that will regularly and faithfully give to missions. Lord, I pray that as a result of these people, and what they have given, and you know what we'll give in the future, that the gospel would go forward in such a unique way that we would be able to have a small part in it and look back someday and realize it wasn't about us. It was all about you. And this is only something you could have done. God, I pray that we would be challenged today in the area of missions. We would be challenged to pray. We would be challenged to give. We would be challenged to go. We would be challenged to grow in the area of missions that you would be pleased in that and that you would continue to move this church to, toward your heart of reaching the gospel with everyone. Lord, for those who are not 100% sure that they are believers, they're not followers of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would minister to them. I pray even right now that they would realize that there are a million ways to get to Jesus, but that you are the only way to get to God. I pray that they would repent of their sins and by faith ask you to come into their life and be their Lord. Lord, if anyone's not saved and they would like to see me after, I pray that they would. But God, I pray that all of us would be challenged in this area of missions today. Who are we reaching for your honor and glory? Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, all over the room. If you have a need that you'd like to pray about, the altar is open this morning. Uh, you come as we sing.